Anxiety shrinks your world. It takes this massive world that we all inhabit and makes it feel oppressively small. Anxiety can make it feel like there are barriers everywhere, invisible barriers, concrete walls, things that stop you, things that block you from doing just about anything. Even if you look outside invisibly, you see opportunity and people and open spaces. Anxiety tells us, yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to access any of that. None of that's safe for you. That's all gonna go terribly. You just need to stay put in your home, in your room, don't venture outside, don't do anything. That's what anxiety tells us. And unfortunately, when we listen to that anxiety and when we avoid and when we stay home and when we stay away and withdraw and isolate, it strengthens the anxiety. It empowers it. Anxiety feeds off of avoidance. And we end up living in constant fear of encountering a situation that spikes our anxiety or that embarrasses us or that makes us feel unsafe. And that's why our world gets so tiny, claustrophobically tiny sometimes when we're dealing with anxiety. The way that you challenge this anxiety is yet another one of those paradoxical, common sense defying, and honestly, super annoying things about our brain. But that's what I'm going to break down for you today is how to get out of that pattern of the shrinking world and be able to actually get out there and enjoy things again without the constant fear that anxiety makes us all live under. Super quick, if this is your first time here, my name is Dr. Scott. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm the founder and CEO of the North Star Psychological Center, which is a mental health clinic in Eastern Iowa that offers individual therapy and intensive outpatient treatment for adults and adolescents with moderate to severe mood and or anxiety disorders. I also wrote a book called For When Everything is Burning, which is available physically digitally, and as an audiobook on Amazon and Audible. Avoidance is both the best friend and the greatest enemy of anxiety. And what I mean by that is when you think about something coming up that you want to do or have to do, and that thing causes you some level of anxiety, maybe it's going out with friends or going to try some new activity you've never done before, trying a new restaurant, anything that's unfamiliar. As that anxiety builds and builds and builds, what happens sometimes, maybe even a lot of the time, is it builds to a place where it becomes unbearable. And when it becomes unbearable, that's when you make the decision to avoid or to withdraw. And you say, I can't do it. I'm not going. You cancel, or maybe you just no-show. And as soon as you make that decision, as soon as you decide, I'm not doing it, this is too much and I'm not doing it today, you get this immediate, massive relief from your anxiety. It's, oh. I don't have to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thank goodness. I'm free of that anxiety that was just gripping my chest. I couldn't even breathe. Oh, and and you get this momentary release that's so rewarding and reinforcing. But there's a hidden cost to every time you practice avoidance, which is that every time you do that, you're actually validating your anxiety. You're essentially proving it right. Because at its core, what anxiety tells us most of the time is you can't handle that, right? Like it may not be those exact words, but most anxiety thoughts, that's what's at their core. You will not be able to handle this. You will make a fool out of yourself. They won't like you. You're not good enough to do that. You know, etc. Those are all variations of you won't be able to handle that. And when you take a situation that was creating anxiety for you 
and you avoid it, what you're saying to your anxiety is, yes, you, you were right. I can't handle that. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to do it. Thank you for saving me, right, from that horrible embarrassment that I was about to endure, that misery that I would have felt just, just sitting in that situation or doing that thing for however long. And so you feel better in the moment. But next time a similar situation comes up, what you'll probably notice is it's not any better. And in fact, it may even be worse. Your anxiety actually is probably growing and becoming stronger over time because you are practicing avoidance. Now, I don't mean for that to come off as judgy. Um, I say practicing. I know it's not like a simple decision, you know, like you're just like, oh, I'm just not going to do that today. I know that you probably like sit for hours or days in agony trying to decide what to do and probably trying to psych yourself up and make yourself do it before you eventually make the avoidance decision. So I, I don't say that lightly, but that is ultimately what you're doing every time you end up avoiding is you are practicing because that is the outcome. That is the pathway in your brain that you are strengthening is when I feel this way, I don't do this thing. It is a form of practice. Here's the tricky thing about anxiety though. Oh, I anxiety. There are actually two things that strengthen your anxiety. One is avoidance. The other is being overwhelmed. In other words, if you do the thing that you're anxious about and either it goes terribly or it actually goes fine, but you're such an anxious wreck the whole time that it's still miserable for you, even though nothing really happened or went wrong, that also strengthens your anxiety. Because then you go home and you say, well, that sucked. I don't ever want to do that again. And again, next time a situation like that comes up, you're going to think of this time like, oh, well, last time I did it, it was terrible. So no, I don't want to do that again. I'm going to probably avoid this time. Avoidance and being overwhelmed, both strengthen anxiety. So frustrating. I know. It probably feels like there is no other option that those are the only two possible outcomes to a situation and both strengthen your anxiety. So I'm pretty much just doomed no matter what I do in my life is just going to be an anxious mess forever, right? No, wrong. That would be a terrible bit. Can you imagine if I was just like, yeah, that's it. Anyway, sorry, that just popped into my head. The third option is hierarchical exposure therapy. And yeah, that's kind of a mouthful, but there is a third zone. And so take any topic. I'm, I'm, to avoid making this too theoretical, I'm going to give you a topic and I'm going to walk through an entire example of applying hierarchical exposure therapy with this topic. So let's say that you have a fear of public speaking, which most of us do. So that's probably a pretty safe one, right? With any given topic. So with the topic of public speaking, any situation that you could find yourself in can be placed into one of three categories. One category is your comfort zone. And those are situations or activities within this realm, in our example, within the realm of public speaking, that basically produce no anxiety or such a small amount of anxiety that it's really not a big deal to you. You can handle it. You can still do the thing, you know, pretty much anytime you need to. So that's one zone and that's on one extreme. The other extreme are situations that are overwhelming, things that would completely spike your anxiety, maybe even send you into a panic attack, things that you either would physically be unable to do, or if you did them, you would be such a wreck that it would be a horrible experience for you. Those are the extreme ends of this continuum, okay? 
And they're also going to be the two biggest zones. Most things you can think of will fall into one of these two categories. Again, public speaking, maybe I'm comfortable like practicing my speech in a mirror or like in front of my wife. That's my comfort zone. I can do those or my dog, like my dog won't judge me. Um, but if you think about like actually being in a group of 30 people, you know, presenting or like recording something and then and then playing that, that still kind of feels like public speaking. That makes me just like have a complete meltdown. And I can't even think about doing it. What we want to look for, knowing that ultimately staying in either of those zones will strengthen our anxiety over time and will grow our anxiety over time. We want to look for this narrow little window in the middle. And that is the exposure therapy zone. It might be very difficult to find activities that fit neatly in this category because it's often a very rigidly defined set of circumstances. But what being in your exposure zone feels like is it will produce some anxiety. You'll be uncomfortable. You'll, you'll have some fear. You'll have some worry thoughts. But it's not quite to the extent that it's overwhelming. It's an amount of anxiety that you can endure, probably with the use of coping skills, you know, probably practicing things like deep breathing, mindfulness techniques, thought challenges, using sensory tools, using a lot of your coping skills, you can get through this. And not only can you get through this, you can get through it with amount with an amount of anxiety that doesn't cause you to encode that experience as having been horrible. With public speaking, maybe that middle zone, that exposure therapy zone, maybe that's like two people. I can present to two people and it, it's challenging, but but I can do it. You know, it's it's okay. It's going to be all right. Um, and at the end, I probably prefer not to do it, but I can get through it if I have to. When we consistently spend time in that middle zone, in that exposure therapy zone, what happens after some certain amount of experiences, and there's no set amount, it's going to vary from person to person, is the activities in that exposure therapy zone will actually become part of your comfort zone. They'll be absorbed into your comfort zone. And you'll get to the point, if you do them consistently, where that particular thing no longer feels like a big deal to you. And that actually does three things for your anxiety. It grows your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is now bigger than it was before and encompasses more situations, more activities, more people than it previously did. So your world opens up a little bit more. Those walls that are closing in on you, they actually start to go the opposite direction. Maybe not very far, maybe just a little bit. But the world starts to expand once again. It starts to go in the opposite direction. The zone of things, I used the wrong hand, the zone of things that are overwhelming to you has now shrunk a little bit. So there are slightly fewer situations that you're thinking of like, oh, I hope that never happens. I hope I don't ever find myself having a talk in front of, you know, three or four people because the third thing that happens is your exposure therapy zone moves a little bit farther into the overwhelming zone. And so something that was previously overwhelming now is exposure therapy. Like I said, maybe that's now three or four people. Maybe I like, I feel like, okay, two people, that's not a big deal to me anymore. I can do two people. Maybe now it's like a group of three to five. 
And so then I'm going to regularly practice talking to a group of three or five people. And that's, again, at first going to be hard for me again. And I'm going to have to use a lot of my coping skills to get through it. But after some certain amount of time and repetition, now three to five people, that's now in my comfort zone. That no longer, like I could do it. I could do it just at the drop. You know, someone said, hey, get up here and talk. It's three to five people. Okay. It's 10 people. No, I can't do it. And it just keeps going. You can take some, like, do not miss the power of this tool because with enough practice and with enough time, you can go from being incredibly insecure in some certain domain of your life and feeling basically paralyzed and disabled and not able to do anything to like, I can do most things in this realm. Now that progression, that's a dramatic progression that I just described, right? That may take years to accomplish, but man, is it worth it? And that's not even the end, by the way, because when you make such tremendous progress on your anxiety in one specific area of your life, it has ripple effects for other areas too, because one factor that affects your anxiety level in everything you do is your overall confidence level. And anxiety, because it shrinks our world, tends to keep our confidence level very low because we don't do much. And since we don't do much, we don't feel like we're good at much and we don't really ever have opportunity to be wrong. That's, I should have said that earlier because that's really key. That's what it's all about. Exposure therapy is all about putting yourself in situations where your anxiety, the things your anxiety tells you could potentially be proven wrong. Because again, your anxiety is constantly telling you, you can't do that. You're not good enough to do that. You don't have the skills to do that. You won't make it through that. And if you never do it, the thing that it's telling you you can't do, it's always right, air quotes, for the podcast. It's proven right because you didn't test it, because you didn't put yourself in a situation where it being wrong was even a technical possibility. It couldn't have been because you didn't do it. And over time, if you grow your confidence in one area, it will globally reduce your anxiety, probably in every other area of life to some degree. Because you think about, then you think about doing some other new thing, right? Like, let me back up for a second. The reason I picked public speaking as an example, one, because it's super common and most of you can probably relate to it, but two, because I used to have public speaking anxiety too. And as someone who now runs therapy groups and has been on live news, does lives on social media, does pretty big community presentations from time to time, I pretty much don't anymore. Like I, I, I have very little. And there was a time when presenting to one or two people would have like given me a panic attack. And I, I didn't even actually really do it on purpose because I didn't know what exposure therapy was when I was younger. But my life just kind of played out that way. I guess I'm very fortunate in that regard where there, there, there were just these constant escalations of like slightly more expectations in the realm of public speaking. And I think it is more or less conquering my fear of public speaking that enabled me to eventually start this, start a YouTube channel, start a podcast, because although this is a little bit different because you guys typically aren't watching me live, it does still feel like public speaking. And for I, I've wanted to do this for years before I started it. And I think it was my ability to do public speaking in general that made me feel like, well, I can probably do that too. I mean, that's that's a pretty similar type of thing. Like if I can do this, I should be able to do this, right? The funny thing is though, one other thing to consider is that there are certain variables 
that if you're if you're really having trouble finding that middle zone, finding, okay, where's my exposure therapy zone on this topic? Certain variables might impact how anxiety provoking a situation is. And sometimes you have to play around with those variables a little bit to find your exposure therapy zone. To give you a couple examples of that, like doing things with other people, sometimes that raises your anxiety, sometimes it lowers it. When I first started going to the gym, that's also something I wanted to do for years was go to the gym. But it wasn't until a good friend of mine basically like peer pressured me into getting a membership and said he would go with me that I decided, okay, let's actually do this. Because going there with him made me feel way less anxious and insecure than going there alone. Cause like, I still didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, well, he doesn't either. So we'll figure it out. And we'll, you know, we'll both look stupid together until we figure it out. And I realized no one at the gym really cares anyway, but that's not the point. The point is social support can impact how comfortable you feel doing something. Sometimes it's the opposite. You know, if you're getting started on something, sometimes you're like, I don't want anyone to see me. <laughs> like this is my first attempt. I want zero audience, no support, please. Let me be terrible at this in private for a while before you get to witness it. Um, time of day can play a difference, especially if you're talking about like going somewhere. You know, if you're doing exposure therapy around like, I want to go to Walmart. I want to be able to go to the grocery store again. Walmart at uh, like 1 p.m. on a Saturday is very different than Walmart at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, right? So time of day can make a difference. Day of the week can make a difference. There's all kinds of variables that can make a difference. And don't forget to use your coping skills to get through the exposure activity. I had a little bit of a uh, anxiety reset with regards to making this content once this channel started to get bigger. Because for the first seven months of doing these videos, I think I was averaging like, you know, two, three, 400 views per video. And I was like, I've spoken to crowds that large. So the idea of that many people watching something pre-recorded made by me really didn't like produce much anxiety at all. But then there was one, there was a period of like two weeks where I went from like 10,000 to 40,000 subscribers. And my average views on my videos went from like a thousand to like 40,000. And I remember after a couple of weeks of that, the first time I sat down to record, I was like, oh my gosh, how many people are going to watch this? And it spiked my anxiety quite a bit thinking about that many people. And so I had to, <laughs> this is kind of cheesy, but I think you guys will get it. Before I recorded, I would, this could backfire, but it worked, read some comments and I, I'd read some comments on my videos and see like, okay, a lot of people are really benefiting from this and seem to be finding value in it and think that I'm like pretty good at articulating the concepts I'm trying to get across. And that would kind of bring my anxiety down a little bit, bring my confidence up a little bit. And eventually I got into the headspace where I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I can do this. And then I'd hit record and then I would just go. So if you're trying to practice hierarchical exposure therapy to be less afraid of the world, which is basically what it's all about at the end of the day. Think about applying some of those coping skills in your exposure activity and think about adjusting some of the variables that might make things more or less anxiety provoking. Please let me know if there are any points that I've made during this presentation today that you want me to articulate or expand upon, um, and I will do so. I hope this is helpful because I know what a prison cell anxiety can feel like. I've been there too, and it doesn't have to stay that way, I promise you. I'll see you next time. Take care.